There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Danny Cowley to my Jan Sievert. It's Justin Peach. That was the most normal greeting you've had on a podcast yet. Why? Just just a casual hello. 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 It's because, Justin, we have a lot to talk about this week and I'm excited. We'll start off with... The battle of the two new managers in the championship. It's Huddersfield nil, Chef Wednesday 2. Steve Fletcher and Sam Winnell got the goals. Huddersfield didn't look much better under Danny Cowley, did they? It seemed nothing had changed at all, really. No. It, it's, it's not any. It's not harsh on the, the Cowleys at all because they've only had a few days to, to sort of work with it or a week and a half, isn't it? Yeah, you, you can't expect too much change yet, no, can you? But they look, they look blunt. They look like they lack a personality in the the way they play um individual quality is not there it's just going forwards mainly isn't it because that's as everyone knows has been the main problem for Huddersfield mm-hmm. all this time they've not been turned over by by teams yet no but they're not creating anything uh, anything anything and i think i saw a stat during the game which was that Carlin Grant since he's joined has scored i think eight goals for Huddersfield mm-hmm. While the rest of the team scored six, well, which shows you yeah. just how torrid they are at going forward yeah, at the moment. Because they, they they had more possession than Wednesday, mm-hmm. but they had fewer shots and really struggled to create anything major, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, definitely. Let's talk Cowley because we talked about him which on last Cowley? week's episode. The manager. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we talked about him last week because at the time of recording last week, we didn't think he was going to take the job no. because he turned it down and then took it after it, Huddersfield seemingly came back and offered him even more money. Mm-hmm. It's a weird one, isn't it? Well, we, we sort of listed our reasons why. Um, I, I still think it's a good appointment for Huddersfield. Oh, yeah, definitely. But there's so much that needs doing for Huddersfield. Um, it's not going to be an easy, t- uh, quick turnaround. You know, you see some managers come in, and it's a really quick quick turnaround. Sometimes they get a bounce straight after, and then that, I don't think that's going to happen here. No. I mean, the stuff that he did at Lincoln was sensational, yeah. wasn't it? Like, it was football manager-esque, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, and especially this season, they start they started to um, bring in more technical players and sort of adapt their, their style of play a little bit from more direct to a more sort of, not a modern way of playing, but a, pass, a passing style, less on the... And more attractive. Yeah, more attractive and... Um, you can see what he what what he was getting at, and obviously he's not going to be able to finish that project now because he's not Huddersfield. Yeah. So, with all that being said, obviously he's not got off to a great start. Do you think 
Danny Cowley will be a success at Huddersfield? It's hard to say just because of how poor Huddersfield are. The squad's got almost no balance to it at all. They yeah. lack firepower. They lack creativity, which is not a good mix to have, to not have. Yeah. As we said on last week's episode, I'm surprised he's taken the job, really. Yeah, I, this... I don't see too many positives for him apart from a big old payday. And he's a head coach, which is one of the reasons why he took the job. Yeah, that is something actually we should probably touch on mm. because... That's something you mentioned to me during the week, that he's the manager, manager, not the head coach, Mm. which is a bit of a change for Huddersfield, isn't it? Because they've gone for the head coach, director of football kind of shtick. That's not worked for the last two years because the recruitment's been dreadful, to be honest with you. It's been awful. And hopefully Cowley coming in as manager, he's got more control over the scouting, the players that they bring in, obviously the football side of things as well. So you should start to see, especially in... I'd say in the January transfer window and the next transfer window next summer, better start standard of players with with a clear identity as well. Yeah, you said you thought Huddersfield were going to be in a relegation battle after the first couple of games of the season. Yeah. Do you still see that being the case? <clears throat> it doesn't. There's nothing else that's changed my mind other than a new manager coming in. But he's a good new manager. He is a good new manager, but that team is really poor and they looked really poor again today um, against Sheffield Wednesday so nothing's changed my mind at the moment for that mm. it's a straight answer well Sheffield Wednesday completely different story mm. before this game they only picked up one win in their last four so they weren't in great nick themselves yeah. but a comfortable win in the end for Gary Monk in his first game yeah away performance as well you get a clean sheet 2-0 win controlled the game you'd say for all of it although we know that's not difficult against Huddersfield but they, they, they didn't they didn't have much more possession than Huddersfield, did yeah, they? But, but there's, there's certain like ways of controlling a game. You can, if you're if you're sound defensively and you're not worried at all that the other team's going to attack, then you can just get in your shape and play your game and not have to dominate the ball or anything. Yeah, that's just how football is now, isn't yeah. it? Because possession used to be a key indicator of how much of a how well that team's dealt with the game, but that's just not the case anymore. It doesn't is always it? work, as we know in Fulham's case. And the Man City game yesterday oh, as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. there you go. Uh, Barry Bannon's ball for Sam Winnell's goal. Oh, beautiful. There should be a statue of Barry Bannon. It's How he bad. doesn't play for Scotland? Scotland have got so many good players, especially at Championship level. And he... They just squandered them. Yeah. You reminded me of the Chris Eubank video then. There should be plaques of him all around the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good impression. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Kadeem Harris as well. He was very impressive yeah. in this game. He, yeah. he wasn't as prolific in the last couple of games before the international break, but he created four chances in this game and got an assist. Yeah. I completely forgot about him when we were talking about our teams of the season. I I didn't, because you know me. Um, but he was a bit unfortunate to miss out, really, wasn't he? I probably would have was, included him, even if I remembered him. But I think the spell Wednesday had probably pushed him aside a little bit, just because they were <clears throat> they were less. They obviously their, their form dipped, um, but now Monk's coming. I think Monk's going to get the very best out of that that team. They they looked okay at the start of the season, that first six games, but now I think they'll start to kick on. They they can challenge for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to the other game this Sunday afternoon. Barnsley nil, Leeds 2. Eddie Nketiah and Matthias Click won it for Leeds eventually. Uh, I came away from this game thinking Barnsley weren't actually too bad. They created a lot of chances. They competed with Leeds for a large portion of that game. 
Yeah. Yeah. Not bad at all. They've struggled so far this season. They haven't won since the opening day, mm-hmm. but this was a lot better, wasn't it? This is this is a good indicator because they went toe to toe with Leeds and not many teams have done that this season. They a lot of, well, I'd say all the teams have sat back against Leeds so far and not really gone at them. Um yeah. Barnsley did that, they you know, maybe a bit more clinical, they could have got a result here. Yeah. And the thing is, usually when teams do go try and go toe to toe with Leeds, it usually doesn't they end very well. Apart, yeah. And of course, in the at the end of the day it's a two nil loss, but mm-hmm. it's promising signs for that's Barnsley. a step in the right direction, you know. There's not many times you say that uh when you lose two nil, but definitely a step in the right direction for Barnsley going up against arguably the best team in the division. Yeah, definitely. The best coach team in the division, etc. So yeah, to 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 come away from that being as as even as it was in that game, you know, it's a, it's a huge huge step for them. Yeah, they currently sit twenty second in the championship, only Huddersfield and Stoke mm-hmm. below them at the moment. Can you see them moving up the table? I can. We said before that they've had injuries to to key players at wrong times, really, and obviously there are some games. They they could have got results. You're looking at the Charlton game, um, but uh, the Luton one as well. So there are there are steps forward for them. We we saw today if if they take that performance against Leeds into other games, they will they will walk over teams. I think. Yeah, I, I'm still a bit unsure about Barnsley because they have been pretty poor so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the lowest scores in the league, but create quite a few chances here, yeah. and they look a lot better than when Woodrow's in the team. Yeah. Obviously, he's missed the last few mm. games with injury. Yeah. So, we'll wait and see how they do now that Woodrow's mm-hmm. back fit because, as I say, they look a lot better. Okay, Alex Mowat's figures in this game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. He created eight chances in 90 minutes, which is the most in a single game this season. Yeah. But he only completed 42 passes in the whole game, meaning every five passes he created a chance. Ridiculous. That's insane. Yeah, absolutely. He's, we know we, we know the quality he has, but those sort of numbers are just off the scale, really. He's got a bit of stick this season, him, and also the uh, other centre midfielder. McGinn. 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 Cameron McGinn. Yeah, McGinn, yeah. I thought you said McGinn. I was like, John McGinn? No, uh, Cameron McGinn, yeah. He's... Those two have got had a bit of stick mm-hmm. this season. They were dropped a couple of weeks ago, but um, when they're on form, they're two very talented players aren't they yeah they, they can they can play in any team in this in this division which brings me on to my next question could Mowat fit back into that Leeds side I'd say no performances like this though performances like this that. yeah he's very impressive but when you consider the strength and depth that Leeds have got I mean Jamil Shackleton started his first league game of the yeah. season and he's a quality player, yeah. but hasn't been able to get in the team so far because yeah, yeah, of Glick true. and uh, Phillips. Do you want to see more of uh, Shackleton? I would, yeah. The, the games I saw him in last season, uh, I, I thought he looked better than what I saw of Jack Clark. Because Jack Clark, had, had he's got good ability, but lacked a bit of end product, whereas Jamie Shackleton was all over the pitch. Mm. And you want to see that. Um, combative performances from from midfielders. So I, I, do, I do like him, you know. I think this is a season for him to kick on because I think he's what he's, in, he's into his twenties now, and in a, and in a very well coached Leeds team. So you know, stake a claim for your place and get going. Yeah, just finally, this isn't the first team 
at first time this has happened to Leeds this season where they've had loads of chances and it finally goes their mm-hmm. way eventually. Uh, a better team, I feel, would have got something here. Do you feel like that's fair? Potentially, yeah. You know, if let's say, for example, a team that is as clinical as as Brentford, if they create that many chances in a game against Leeds, they're going to... Brentford? Yeah. Why Brentford? Because they've still got to score goals so far this season. Yeah, but... Okay, Brentford involved. I'm just trying to think of... (laughs) Brentford last season. (laughs) Yeah. What I'm trying to get at is a team that is relatively clinical and have got that quality, that experience quality in the Championship, they will punish Leeds. Yeah, that's fair. Are Leeds the most likely to go up at the moment, do you think? They seem to generally keep grinding out the results. I mean, if you win games and you've not read it, you're not, you know, been as good as you can be, you're going to be laughing. You know, if, if they put more shots away early on in games, they'll they'll roll over teams. No doubt about that. So, yeah, absolutely. I think these are still odds-on to go. The team to beat. Definitely. Yeah. Fantastic. Let's move on to our next game. Swansea nil, Forest won. The mm. unbeaten streak comes to an end yeah. for the Swans. It was out for Semedo with a late winner. But what a result for Forest. Definitely. I'm sort of swinging towards that bus now. Are you? Yeah. Are you jumping on the bandwagon? Absolutely. We'll get on the bandwagon in a sec. Because uh, not only did they get the three points, they also had the better chances in this game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Swansea only had one shot on target and that was from distance. Yeah, uh, Ryan on Twitter says Forrest had less of the ball, but that didn't matter as when they did, they made great of it and rampaging forward down the wings and grabbing has been given some specific praise from Ryan. Uh, He created loads of chances in this game and Mm. we've said it before, haven't we? That he is a quality player on his day and probably one of the best strikers in the league on his day. Yeah, no, his goal record in the Championship over the last sort of five or six seasons that he's played in the Championship has been ridiculous. He's one of them that isn't quite good enough for the Premier League but almost too good for the Championship. And as you say, on yeah. his on his day, he's, he's one of the best number nines in this league. Absolutely. The team selection was a bit interesting mm. for this game. Uh, Joe Lolly and Jack Robinson were dropped. Two of their best players so far <laughs> this season. In came Carvalho and Ribeiro. That says a lot more about the quality that in depth. in depth that Forest yeah. have because we've waxed lyrical about yeah. how much uh, how many players they've actually got yeah. what is it 35 mm-hmm. players or something like yeah. that but it shows that in that massive squad they've also got loads of class as well yeah when, when you can bring on players like Joe Lolly and uh, Semedo in yeah. games uh, amongst others Rafa Mur Carvalho has been on the bench a couple of times coming back from injury you know, teams teams that they're playing against can go. Hold on a minute, and we've got other problems coming on because quite a lot of the times players that are coming from the bench aren't necessarily better than the ones that are starting. But Forest have got two or three different starting 11s they can play, and that for me is why they've got about three, <laughs> maybe four. A push. Um, but that that for me that is probably why they're one of the most uh, flexible teams in the division, and that's going to prove pivotal when them competing for the playoffs. Yeah. The playoffs bandwagon. Are you jumping on? I thought it was a bus. No, it's a bandwagon. It was a bus last week. No, it's, ne- it's never been a bus. It's always been a bandwagon. If it was a bus, there'd be plenty more seats, but it's just a bandwagon. Are you jumping on? One more week. One more week. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm in the queue and I'm, I'm thinking about it. Okay, okay. Just finally on Forest then. Uh, Michelle Owen on Soccer Saturday called uh, Sammy Amiobi. Sammy Obi. 
Sounds better, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm not sure if she, it was intentional, but if it was, it's genius. Sammy Obi. And that's how he must be known by everyone from now on. Is yeah. that right with you? It's a lot of syllables that sound very similar. Sammy Ami Obi. Yeah. But it takes out one of the syllables and makes it just a lot easier, doesn't it? Yeah. Can you imagine having two or three parts and then trying to pronounce Sammy Ami Obi? I know. Now you can just call him Sammy Obi. Because Michelle Owens. Thank you, Michelle Owen. Uh, Swansea, then. What does this result mean for the Swans? Mm -hmm. Because they lost to a team who I think will be in the playoffs this season. So it's not the end of the world, really, is it? No, it was a a weird game for Swansea because Boya Basson only had 24 touches in the game. I Mm. think it was two touches in the box compared to nine touches in the box for Graben. They just weren't... Quint? Quint. No, I'm making up words. They just weren't quite at the races. Um, to then, you know, as I said at the start, one shot on target isn't like Swansea. The the wide players weren't contributing enough, and there was a couple of mistakes in the middle. I think it was Matt Grimes who um, got wrestled off the ball uh, for Lewis Graben to to run through and yeah, square it to Sammy Ubi. Yeah, that was the thing I was going to ask you because the manner in which they lost this game mm-hmm. is a bit concerning, isn't it? Because as you mentioned. Only one shot yeah. from Andre Ayew from 25 yards out, which mm-hmm. was straight down the keeper Samba's throat. Bit worrying, isn't it? Not not worrying. As I say, team, teams will be more streetwise now going to Liberty Stadium because of Swansea's form at the start of the season. And they were turning teams over two, three goals um, on a couple of occasions. So, as I say, teams will be more streetwise. They need to find a way through that, pretty much. As I say, getting Bastion involved in the game more... Um, I don't think it's panic stations for them at all. It's first first defeat of the season. They'll probably learn more from this. But it is concerning, isn't it? Why is it concerning? It's the first defeat. You learn more from defeats than you do wins and draws. I'm not overreacting by saying, oh, it's one loss. That's it. Swansea aren't going up now. But as I say, the fact that they hardly troubled, in fact, they didn't trouble the Forest defence, really, in this whole game, mm. that is concerning, isn't it? Yeah, but it's a Forest team that's got results of way it um, Leeds and they beat another good team away from home and I can't remember who it was now that's going to absolutely bug me but they, 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 they're they unbeaten away from home Leeds at uh, Forest are so that sort of tells you how good they're away from home I think they'll be better away from home than they will at home this season okay. um, Swansea just need to be a bit more streetwise about it OK let's go to two of the teams who a lot of people were tipping to go up this season it's Fulham 1, West Brom 1, mm. Anthony Knockyart and Semi Ajayi with the goals. Two really crap goals. Two. Well, we'll get onto the goals in a sec. Uh, Fulham had more possession and more shots, mm-hmm. but West Brom probably had the better chances. You could argue that, but I don't think it was really a game that was one team dominating another team, really. It was Fulham looked their usual. Pass it a lot, yeah. Self. Pass it a lot, lack a bit of punch, and and West Brom soaked all that pressure up. That's why they're still unbeaten. Yeah, let's talk Fulham first because Bettinelli had a bit of a mare again. Uh, we spoke about him a couple of weeks <laughs> ago. Is it time to give Rodak a go? You're on about dropping England's fourth choice goalkeeper. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, why not? We we like Rodak here, so give him a game. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's just last time you had a go at me for saying Bettinelli needs dropping. You don't like goalkeepers. I'm just saying. You know, I've never been completely convinced by Bettinelli. So 
He's, he's good with the ball at his feet, which is why Fulham play him. Yeah, fair enough. Anthony Knockyart's goal. Bit weird, wasn't it? Crossed it. You think it was a cross? He said it was a cross. Did he? Yeah. Well, I don't know who is aiming that then. He was trying to aim for it, it, took def- it, it took deflection and obviously went over Johnson. But so. the deflection seemed to be very innocuous. 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 I get what you're saying. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, it just seemed very weird. There you go. Uh, no wins in the last three now for Fulham, mm-hmm. albeit they have been a three tricky games. What do you make of their start to the season? Indifferent. Yeah. Fair, fair word to use. It's, they've they've looked ridiculously good at times and also looked ridiculously bad at times. That's just that's just them in a nutshell, I think. Yeah, but we, you know, we're talking a lot about their attacking three, weren't we? Because mm-hmm. we thought that would terrorise defences yeah. in the championship this season, and at times they have, but yeah, struggled the, a bit recently, haven't they? They'll find a balance. I mean, this is a result against a top team at home. Okay, you, you might want to win it. Well, obviously you do want to win it, um, but you'll you'll take these points as a point gained. You know, if you drop in points at home to say like Millwall, I know they beat them, but like teams like Millwall, Barnsley, they're 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 the games you need to win. Um, but they're not lost. They've looked more resolute, I guess, than they have done in the past um, this season. So as I say, it's it's not yeah an indifferent start. Speaking of resolute, West Brom have been mm. both teams to score in every game so far this season. Is it a bit concerning that they keep leaking goals? Uh, you could you could say that yeah. It's, if you want a, a clean sheet, so you you know bedroom bedroom bedrock bedrock um, of promotion campaigns. You know, if you if you take a leaf out of Pulis Warnock, any anyone old school, take a leaf out of their books, they'll say defenses win your titles. Mm. I don't know why I use them as examples. They've got Higazi to come back, haven't they? So oh yeah, exactly. They they they're not. They've not lost a game yet, and they still got some key players to come back. Obviously, Kieran Gibbs coming back in at left back, and and Hagazi in a, in the middle. Absolutely. The only other thing I've got to say is Will Ferrell was in the stand. It's not the first time we've seen him watch a football league game this season. Bit random. I'll also add that that camera angle of Fulham's horrendous. It's because they've got they're redoing the stand, aren't yeah, they? But it's awful. But if they did it from the because it, it used to be from the other side, mm. didn't it before? If no, they, no, I think it was just higher up. Well, it was obviously just higher up. But God, I, thought, I thought it was on the other side. So at one hard point. to watch yeah. games there because they play such an expansive style of football. But the cameraman can't pick up the expansiveness. Okay, expansiveness. I yeah. like that. <laughs> uh, Stoke won Bristol City two. Stoke won ahead early on, but went down to ten men after twelve minutes when Joe Allen was sent off. I think it's fair to say the Stoke board are extremely patient. That's always been said of them, though, isn't it? Is it Tony Scholes? Or Tony Coates? Tony Coates, yeah. Tony Scholes is it. A... Peter Coates. Yeah, I'm getting them mixed up. Tony Scholes is like the chief executive yeah. or something. But yeah, as I say, the board has always been quite uh, lenient, I'd say. Are they being a bit too lenient at the moment? They must They must go down to... They must see some of the training sessions and say, well, this team could win a game this week. And then they get to, they get to the games and it's like... They forget how to to be any good. I'm not sure there are too many other clubs who are expected, you know, a playoff contender 
who were expected to be a playoff contender, I should say, mm. they want who haven't sacked their manager after one point from seven games. So it it is a bit impressive that they have stayed so patient. I guess yeah, no, uh, Nathan Jones in his post match interview on the Stoke Twitter looked really sad, and I feel quite sorry for him. I, I do as well. They, they're still creating chances, but they're not putting them away. They're but like, the, at the same time, they've conceded the most goals in the league this season. Mm with 17 yeah. and the second most is 13 so quite a distance absolutely but to some extent if you put one or two past an opponent um, an opponent you're going to have more control in the game you, the opposition is going to be a bit more they're going to come at you they're going to leave gaps whereas if it's 1-0 and they're only chasing 1-0 you know there's that aspect of Stoke might concede whereas 2-0 you know you've got a bit of breathing space yeah, he keeps saying Nathan Jones that they're close to being a very good side, and from what you've just said, I can understand where he's coming from to an extent. It depends how you define very good because they they have been a bit unlucky in a few games, haven't they? They have, they have. They 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 could have won the game against Derby. Yeah, if Butlin didn't throw the ball in the goal against Preston, they they'd have got a result there. You know, they're. I wouldn't say it's fine margins because they're not fine margins, like. Say, for example, Joe Allen didn't get sent off for a stupid challenge yesterday. I, I take it you think that was deserved? Absolutely. Okay. What a tit. He didn't help himself by having his leg up in the air after making the tackle, did he? An experienced player, he's, it's a heavy touch, and now he's stretching for it. So he's not in control of his tackle. It's a red card. Okay. Bristol City then, they keep on rocking. They haven't lost since getting spanked by Leeds on the first day of the season. Yeah. How far do you think they can go? Really far. God, they've got Callas out injured, De Silva's out injured. Benicophobia wasn't in the team yesterday because obviously he was playing against Stoke. They're winning games without having... Is Adam is Adam Nagy injured still as well? He's meant to be coming back. Well, he's, he wasn't in the team. As I say, like, they've still got players to come back in. And for me, they've got a good mix of the way they play. They'll play wing-backs away from home and it works. They play counter-attacking football, whereas at home they're on the front foot. Mm. It's a really good blend. But they're quite famously a streaky team, aren't they? So we could easily see them go on a losing run over the next couple of weeks. That's probably why he's gone to three at the back. Yeah, yeah in the next three games, Swansea, Preston, Brentford. It's okay. quite tricky. Yeah, Is Preston at home or away? I always ask I, this I, I about Preston. I don't know. I, I haven't got this down. Pre- That's an important... <laughs> That's important information I, in this. I don't write these things, all right? <laughs> well, as you say, they won this game without Benicophobia. Jeju played instead and actually looked all right. Got yeah. a goal as well, didn't he? Yeah, he's, he's up and running for the season now. I, was, I felt sorry for him on the opening day and then he lost his place in the team to a phobia. Mm-hmm. Um But a phobia environment had been in great form. But as, yeah, Jeju coming in and getting a goal, that's exactly that. That goal probably epitomised how Bristol City play, i.e., Jack Hood's putting that ball for Jeju. You know, it's deep crosses into the middle of the box for big number nines to get on the other end, yeah. other end of them. And one debut that probably went a bit underplayed this weekend, Ashley Williams for Bristol City. Against Stoke as well. Yeah, looked really good against his old side. Mm. He made more passes this weekend than any other player for an away side. Doesn't surprise me with his Swansea roots, but... Yeah. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Hall 2, Wigan 2. This game was... Probably a bit overshadowed by 17-year-old Joe Gelhardt scoring the equaliser. What a goal from a young lad. I, well, I mean, I'd never attempted that goal at 17 anyway because I don't have that ability to do it. Still don't now. Yeah, still don't now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
but yeah, this just the the audacity as a seventeen year old to, to absolutely do the fullback on that turn and then the composure to fire it, put it away like he did. Yeah, exactly. At seventeen, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I will say though, I think Gerhard did save Paul Cook's blushes in the end because they did not deserve a point in this game. It feels like a draw doesn't particularly help either side either because neither have had a great start to the season, Wigan in particular. No, terrible. So, as I say, a draw doesn't really help either side, does it? Not really. It's it's This game probably epitomised Hull more than it did Wigan just because Hull have that ability to score goals, but Christ, can they concede them as well? Hmm. Um, and on, on, on the other side of the spectrum, Wigan, Wigan just can't defend. The amount of free kicks they gave away on the edge of the box was awful. From experienced players as well, it's, it's not good. It is not good. Yeah. What did you make of Paul Cook's comments afterwards? Because the interviewer said to him, you need your strikers to start scoring because the goals are coming from everywhere else at the moment. And Paul Cook replied, have you done your coaching badges? You're trying to tell managers what to do. I mean... Like, well, no, he wasn't, Paul. And he is right. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to want to win games... Other players have to score. Yeah, not just defenders and yeah and whatnot. It's, he was laughing it off, but it's it clearly touched a nerve because because he knows it's it's right. Like, I keep him yeah. not scored yet, and Jamal Lowe hasn't scored yet. No. It's slightly worrying that they've paid what four and a half million for those two, and neither of them have got near the goal yet. No, they've not really got going, have they? No. Uh, Hall then, uh, Camel Grzycki. Absolutely unplayable here. This makes me think he meant that goal against Millwall now. (laughs) (laughs) He created the most chances in this game, had as many shots as anyone else. It looks like this team, you know, is a Jared Bowen and everyone else is just playing around him. But then Grzycki plays like this and reminds you that they're a two-man band. Well, I mean, I don't think Grzycki is as as consistent as Jared Bowen, but that might be the, the... the way Jared Bowen plays, he's he's very good on the counter attack, and obviously Hull are going to soak up a lot of pressure in games. That free kick, oh, That's lovely, beautiful. Absolutely. He hit the bar as well, didn't he? Yeah, he nearly, yeah, he nearly did exactly the yeah. same free kick. That's why you don't give fouls away on the edge of the box. No, especially when Grasicki's taken. Exactly. Him. Uh, Tom Eaves had two unbelievable chances. I felt sorry for him. that he squandered. <laughs> he's not good going yet, has he? No, we 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 talked him up. Um, you more so than than me. I, I yeah. I I thought he'd kick on as well because, as I say, like when you've got Jared Bowen and Kamal Grzycki on either flank, you're going to create chances. But he just hasn't not it's not, it's not fell for him. No. Do you feel like it might be a case of he just needs to find the net once and then he'll get going? Potentially, I think the way Hall played, the wide players are going to score more than the strikers. You saw that with Campbell last season. I think it. I think. The, the, the striker's just there as a key cog to the system rather than being the main man. Um, but he's, he's going to have to contribute because they can't rely, keep relying on Grisicki and um, Jai Bowen. Yeah. Let's go from one game where a child scored an important goal to another game where a child scored this was an a important be- this, goal. This was a better goal than his last one. Yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't too hard, was it? Uh, Charlton nil, Birmingham one. 16-year-old Jude Bellingham scored again. A 16-year-old who scored two goals in 147 minutes of championship football this season is crazy. What were you doing at 16, Ryan? You don't want to know. <laughs> Just a nervous 
beardless teenager. <laughs> uh, how much is a Premier League team going to pay for him in January? Oh, God, get off it. <laughs> <laughs> it see, if he keeps going, then someone's going to fork out a good 30 million for him, aren't they? The, the goal as well is it's a, a run from midfield into the box to get on the end of a... A really well-done yeah. run as well, wasn't it? Yeah, to, to get on the end of a, uh, a slide through and uh, it was a composed finish as well, which is what a lot of experienced players in that position do. You know, Craig Bryson made a career of it and Jude Bellingham's only 16, so hopefully he can, you know, do more of that. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the performance for Blues in general because it's an impressive result, isn't it? When you consider how they've played from home so far this season, not great. Uh, But this was much better from them, wasn't it, against a team who, at the moment, are in the top three in the Championship? Yeah, no, Charlton have, they're unbeaten. Up until then, yeah. Um, so it's it's a good result, and it's not like the Brentford result on the opening day for Birmingham. Birmingham were a lot better going forward in this game. Um, had more shots than they usually do. Yeah, had they? had more shots, and it was it was more of a complete performance, I think. And obviously, again, a clean sheet away from home. They just need to build on this, and you know, be a bit more adventurous away from home. You never know; they might get a result against some top teams. Yeah, Harry on Twitter says he thought Blues looked good, played great football and were dominant. Maxime Collin was next level and Jude Bellingham is going to be a star. Uh, Daniel Crowley was back starting and played well. My question to you is, how are they going to fit in these players when Fran Villalba's back fit? Because they've been playing 4-4-2 at mm. the moment and they seem to be playing better in a 4-4-2. So how's it all going to work? I guess you, well, I don't know. You'd, you'd ro- you might rotate a couple, or you might go from a from a four four two to a four one four one. Four four one one. Four four one one. There's too many players on that pitch. Um, so yeah, it's it's hard to say really because obviously they've played a variety of formations. I don't think three at the back works for them mm. as effectively maybe as a four four two. So, as I say, rotation might be key to that. Yeah, absolutely. Charlton then. Uh, Lyle Taylor was injured on international duty and is set to miss the next few games. And it's a bit worrying because Charlton looked blunt going forward without him, didn't they? Yeah, it, it, the, the lineup surprised me a bit as well because Osterman played at the tip of the diamond, right at the tip of the midfield, rather than Gallagher. And Gallagher scored a lot of goals from that position. Mm. So, that change might have affected affected them as well. Going forward, um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't a big fan of that. But as you say, you know, Lyle Taylor has been prolific so far, and him missing is is a big blow for him. Yeah, and we have spoken before about the potential that Taylor, if he keeps playing like he mm-hmm. has done when he is fit, he could potentially leave in January, and it could be a sign of things to come for Charlton, couldn't it? Potentially, but then again, Hemmard's not played a lot of football. Um, I don't know, he's not played since the end of last season, so he's going to take a bit of time to get going again. So it's it's not it's not all doom and gloom for Charlton with Taylor being injured. You know, I think Hemmard will start to start to get into that. And obviously, if you if you put Gallagher at the tip of the diamond, he's going to score goals as he has been. So please put him back. Then. <laughs> uh, they've got Wigan next, which you'd think they'd need to get three points from, even without Taylor, wouldn't you? Yeah, because sure. then after that, it's Leeds, Swansea, and Fulham. Yeah, which yeah. is incredibly tricky yeah, especially when they haven't got difficult. the best player yeah. uh, Lee Bowyer sending off had me in tears oh, I can't believe 
I can't believe you said, I just threw it, but you saw it. It was an overarm throw to a guy who was about eight yards away from him. He threw it at him, not to them. absolutely launched it at him. So if anyone hasn't seen this, he reckons someone from the Birmingham bench was throwing the ball onto the pitch to waste time. After the match, he claimed, he said, is this your ball? And then threw it back to them. But the replay show, he's absolutely launched it at one of the Birmingham coaches. It's sensational. Sorry. It, it didn't just say, is this your ball? It's like, that dugout, the dugouts are miles away from each other. <laughs> there is no way he asked, is this your ball? <laughs> Excuse me, is this your ball? Then take it back. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, Preston 2, Brentford 0. Sean Maguire and Tom Barkhazen got Preston the three points. Preston are a real force at home, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. They've scored 10 and conceded 2. So far, from four games that four at home. Ridiculous. That, that, that home form is ridiculous. Yeah. It, go on. I was going to say, Preston makes slow starts this season, as we've alluded to quite a lot of the times. So them them to be as strong as they have been at home is, is a real, real plus. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird game because Preston only had four shots to Brentford's eight. But Preston probably had the better chances. And it's even more impressive <clears throat> when you consider they're missing Pearson and Gallagher. Yeah. Two of their key players. Yeah, absolutely. This. The one 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 thing that really sort of whetted my appetite for Preston is the players that they play in their four positions. Obviously, Johnson aside, you look at Barkhausen, Barkhausen, Sean Maguire, and um, Luke Bowden, Billy Bowden, Billy Bowden. Sorry, it's because my autocorrect's gone. <laughs> um, but you know, you've got pl- three different players who you can argue are all strikers and wide players in different moulds. You've got Barkhausen, who's, you know, pacey, he'll stretch a game. Maguire, who's a fox in the box, as we saw with his goal. And um, Bowden, who's really good with his feet. There are three different types of players there who can all be flexible and rotate, and that's going to be key for Preston. Yeah, what I was going to ask you was, Preston strikers haven't really been firing so far this season, and Sean Maguire got the mark here. Mm-hmm. Do you think they'll mean him kicking on now? I don't think any of them are going to hit 15-20 this season, but I think they're all going to at least get eight, nine, ten goals each, I think. Mm. And that, for them, that will be Preston's sort of niche, I guess, because they've got players in there that can all score goals. Yeah. I want to give a shout-out to two players we've praised before, mm-hmm. but I feel needs to be praised again, those being Patrick Bauer and Ben Davies, mm. Preston's two centre-backs. They were fantastic and probably the main reason Brentford shots were restricted being mostly outside yeah. of the box. Let's quickly touch on Brentford. Because we thought Brentford would kick on, uh, kick on yeah. sorry, after side Ben Rama came out mm-hmm. from injury. But this performance was a bit tepid. Yeah, I think Watkins only had 21 touches, which is unusual for a Brentford team and unusual for a Brentford number nine, I guess, because especially Watkins, he ends up everywhere on the pitch, left, right, middle. You know, he's everywhere and obviously they didn't quite get him into the game. Same with Mbwemo, who only had 25. You want those players to get the ball as much as possible, especially in central areas where they can start to punish teams. You know, they'll start to create combinations getting into the box. just didn't happen for him. Yeah, a few Brentford fans are calling for Thomas Frank's head. I'm sure that wasn't like... They didn't say that after the 3-0 win against Derby, so <laughs> that's just fickleness in sport. Fair enough. Football. Mm. QPR 3, Luton Two, Naki Wells got two for Rangers, but this game for me was about one man in particular, someone we praised already, Edward Richie A beautiful goal early on, an assist a bit later, hit the crossbar twice, mm. 
He had the most shots in the championship this weekend. He's someone who's only going to get better. And of course, he's still only 21. If you give him space, he's going to punish you. I know that's a bit of a cliche in football, but he's good at dribbling. He's, he's got a good eye for a pass and he can shoot. That's a good package for an attacking midfielder. Yeah, He's a dangerous, dangerous player. And if you don't, if you don't respect that, then you're going to get punished by him. Yeah. From a team perspective, we saw the two sides of QPR this season already because yeah. one of those sides is they play nice football mm-hmm. and are effective going forwards. Then the other side is defensively where they conceded... So far, they've conceded more goals than any other side in the top half of the table. Yeah. The two goals they conceded here were sloppy, to say the least. Bit of an understatement. <laughs> the second one... Harry Cornick just runs into the box, completely unmarked. He gives it back to James Collins, who puts it in. Mm-hmm. And then the first one, Joe Lumley. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Had a bit of a disaster. Fair play to Harry Cornick's the finish. That's a good finish, yeah. yeah. Spectacular. First, yeah, first time shot. Yeah. Float floats it into the goal. It's, 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 a good, yeah. it's a good finish. But if your keeper's going to be venturing that, sar- that far outside the box with the ball at his feet, then he better be Edison. Because I have no idea what Joe Lumley is doing. You don't even have to be Edison. It's not just, a hard pass. Just to competent. Make. Just yeah, just competent. That's that's as you say. That's QPR in a nutshell. It's almost sports car Ferrari going forward at times. It's, it's amazing. But they're a Rover Metro at the back. They are. They make so many mistakes, and that's why I've been so skeptical of QPR. Is because how defensively poor they are. Mm. They've not really been up against a top top team yet. The good teams they've been up against, they've they've lost. You know, Bristol. Um, can't remember the one, but you know they they've looked susceptible at the back at times. Yeah. In summary, though, I think we've got to say well done to QPR because yeah. it was three deserved points. Really, Mark Warburton's got them ticking along nicely, hasn't he? Yeah, you go three nil up, you get bored, spice it up, give two goals away. <laughs> Keep it interesting. Keep it interesting. The yeah. paying supporters exactly. at Luton, they beat Huddersfield and Barnsley prior to this yep. game, which has eased the relegation fears for now. For now, yeah, I think, you know, if, if Luton don't start as poor as they did, they don't get panned in the first half. It's a different game in the second half. And, you know, you saw the good, again, the good side to Luton and the bad side. Mm. Blackburn 2, Millwall nil. Derek Williams with oh. Pinga. When you connect with a ball like that, it's yeah. beautiful. Isn't Just centre-half scoring beautiful goals this, this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Bradley Dack got on the score sheet as well. Mm-hmm. Blackburn are quietly... Moving up the table a bit. Yeah. They're now 11th mm-hmm. and have only lost once in their last five yeah. league games and kept four clean sheets in that time, which is impressive considering yeah. how much of a mess they were defensively at the start of yeah, the season. First, first two games in. Yeah, so, you know, people were talking about Brentford, uh, Brentford Blackburn at the start of the season mm-hmm. as a bit of a dark horse for promotion. Yeah. Do you think they might be living up to those standards potentially? Um, I don't. Not necessarily. I think they still need to get players scoring for me to even... Because we, we know what they can do defensively now. When they get organised and do well, they they can keep clean sheets, as we've seen. Mm. You know, four in the last however many games. Yeah. They were comfortable here, though, weren't they? Millwall hardly troubled them going forward. Well, they, yeah, they look blunt. You know, I think if, if, if Wallace and Mahoney aren't on their game, then, then Millwall aren't on their game. Mm. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a sec. Just want to ask you about... Uh, an interesting bit of transfer news this week that Danny Graham has been linked with a move to Australia, considering how unimpressive Sam Gallagher's been so far. 
they want to keep hold of him, really, don't they? Yeah, he, well, he's he scores goals for Blackburn. Yeah, he's been prolific at Blackburn since he mm. went there, which isn't that hasn't necessarily been a word associated with Danny Graham since his big season at Watford when he got that move to Swansea. So him being at Blackburn's, he's their main goal scorer, I think. They haven't got someone prolific. You got Bradley Dak as well, haven't you? But you can't rely on an attacking midfielder to to score all your goals. You're only creating. You know, goals for others and, and scoring them, obviously. And Danny Graham got 15 goals from last season. Exactly. So, there you go. It would be a loss. Yeah, Millwall then, as you say, uh, when Wallace and Mahoney aren't pinging crosses. <laughs> crosses to Matt Smith's head. It only gets you so far, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, they have lost. They're without a win in the last four, basically. Yeah. And they're starting to slide down the table after a half-decent start to the season. So. Yeah, I think... It's to be expected with Millwall because obviously the the way they play is quite limited. But as I say, you know, if, if uh, Wallace and Mahoney are are on form, then Millwall are on form. It's not just the crossing; it's the ability to, to link up with the midfield as well because they've got um, Thompson and Lennon in there who can score goals. You know, more crosses and, and more forward play in there. They'll, they'll they will be fine this season. Yeah, uh, Borough one, Reading nil. Marvin Johnson scored after his free kick. Just evaded everyone. <laughs> uh, perhaps a bit lucky to get the three points here, but you know, a wins at a win after a dodgy start. Jonathan yeah. Woodgate's now unbeaten in his last four. Are you convinced Borough can continue to move up the table? You know, it's a it's a good it's a good run of form for him. I said that you know, once they get a couple of results, they'll get going again. And this was almost a lucky win. It was a lucky win, mm. no doubt about that. Because yeah, Darren, Darren Randolph, Randolph. yeah. <laughs> Um, made some crucial saves to say the least absolutely Um, it's not the first time he's single-handedly dragged Middlesbrough to getting the points is he yeah yeah, well he's he's one of the best in the league that's that's what he's there for would you say he's the best in the league you could argue that Mm. fair enough Uh, Reading Jose Gomez picked an interesting team for this game uh, Puskas and Zhao both started as substitutes which meant they had £15 million worth of strikers on the bench <laughs> uh, they could have used them as well because Reading did have a few chances Omar Richards and John Swift created uh, nine chances between them so yeah they probably could have used their expensive strikers on the pitch really yeah, yeah I guess if you know you create that many chances and again the amount of shots that Darren Randall saved perhaps one of those two could have put one of them in but yeah. it just wasn't to be today uh, for, for Borough sorry uh, yeah. for Reading uh, Reading have lost their last two games now and in both games they've had a few chances but not scored uh, they've got a talented first team but need to get three points against Blackburn next week don't they just to ease their nerves a bit Okay, that's going to be a hard game against Blackburn because of how good defensively Blackburn have been. But you know, if if, if Reading can be as clinical as they were against Cardiff, for example, a couple of weeks back, that the, you know they'll be fine because we know they can control with their games as well as they do. Yeah, just finally then speaking of Cardiff, Cardiff one, Derby one, Scott Malone and Robert Glatzel with the goals. Two sides who haven't started the season as brilliantly as mm. they would have liked. Goal of the season from Scott Malone? It's got to be up there. Clinical <laughs> <laughs> finish. Uh, who stood out for you in this game? Oh, God, that's difficult. Uh, I thought Biliak was, was great in the uh, midfield for, yeah. for Derby. I know he got man in the match, but as well as that, I thought, again, Max Lowe was, was, was quality at fullback for Derby. And Sean Morrison and Aidan Flint were absolute powerhouses at the back for, for um, Cardiff. Yeah, Biliak was the one 
I had down as the standout, really. I mean, £10 million for a holding midfielder, you'd expect him to mm. stand out, really, Absolutely. at this level, wouldn't you? Uh, Matt Clark, could see him back in the side. Yeah, he, he looked steady. You know, I don't think Cardiff threatened Derby as much as they could have. Mm. You know, we know that Derby conceded a lot of chances. They should have exploited that. But, yeah, it was a bit of a crap game, really. <laughs> Dwayne Holmes. First start yeah, of the back season. in the middle, yeah. We, he, he did what we know we can do. He, he picks up the ball, runs at players. Um, he gets into pockets of space. Um, good play. You know, he just needs a bit of an end product. Then he'll be a top top midfielder in the championship. Yeah, absolutely. Robert Gladsell got his first goal of the season for Cardiff. Mm. Yeah, he's had a pretty uneventful start to his career at Cardiff. So Cardiff haven't been particularly spectacular. No. So I think. They've not helped him out really, have they? No, the, the quality they've got out wide as well. I expect them to create a lot more than they do. Um, but the, you know, it's, it's a Neil Warnock team, so they're not necessarily going to be too too open in in how they attack. Mm. It'd um, be interesting to see if he kicks on now, won't it? I have money for five million pounds. I hope so. Yeah, absolutely. Should Derby have had a penalty? Oh, he got what? Well, Why gone? Yeah, got absolutely walloped, didn't he? In his ankle. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the argument was he handballed it for for their goal. But then again, the other side of the argument is Glasgow handballed it for their goal. So yeah, offers a penalty. Fine lines. Let's move on then to the other news from this week. We'll start off with Middlesbrough. We we're just talking about Derby. Uh, they are involved in this. Middlesbrough are suing the EFL for allegedly failing to enforce the financial rules yeah. against Derby. What do you make of this? A bit dickish. Yeah, this was after the chairman, Mel Morris, mm-hmm. brought Pride Park using a separate company. What do you think? Of what? The, what? Firstly, Borough suing the EFL is just, well... I'm trying to think of a, of a word that isn't associated with being a petulant child. I know, I know they have the grievances, but there's the whole selling tax to a parent company to to reduce their financial fair play records um, back when they got promoted. But Borough suing the EFL takes money out of the pot for other EFL members, i.e., every other league team. So all the TV money that teams in League Two, League One, and Championship get will be reduced because of these legal fees. That's what Andy Holt said, the, the Accrington Stanley um, chairman. Okay. So them just them suing the leagues, just taking money out of everyone else's pockets. Yeah. So stop being it's knobs. Not something I particularly thought about, but I suppose it is a fair point. My argument would be, if someone's found a loophole in the system, then they can exploit it, can't they? Because... The rules are the rules, and yeah, what if the... there's no rule against it, but then I suppose Leeds technically didn't break any rules exactly. when they spied against Derby. This so. is why the EFL, sounds harsh, isn't fit for purpose. There's no rule that said that Derby shouldn't have sold the stadium to themselves and Sheffield Wednesday and Reading and, and whatnot. There's no rule to say that Middlesbrough couldn't sell the tax to a separate company to reduce their financial play records, and there's no there was no rule to, to say that Leeds couldn't be on a public path. Yeah. Hashtag, so, hashtag foot the EFL. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just pretty much. It's, it's, the whole thing's ridiculous. This last year in the, in the EFL has been an absolute shambles. Yeah, it's not... Um, yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Murich, 
Forest keeper. Not a great start to the season, but then goes and saves Harry Kane's penalty in the England v Kosovo game. Before that, he was terrible. Yeah, but... And obviously, I watched the Kosovo game the other week as well, yeah. at the weekend, and he was crapping that as well. <laughs> but he saved a Harry Kane penalty, and everyone's been Harry, yeah. waxing lyrical about Harry Kane's penalty I recently. Think, I th- I th- it cost my dad money on a bet, I think, as well, so... <laughs> Screw you, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> this is an interesting one. Leeds United midfielder Jordan Stevens has been given a six-week mm. FA ban for breaking betting rules. Yeah, The 19-year-old is not even being allowed to train. What do you make of that? Again, I saw a lot of um, people mention mention this. It's almost, you sort of, okay, he's, he's done wrong, but he's 19. He's, he's not even 20 yet. Mm. He's still a teenager. It's all about education at that age, so you know, stick him on a course, give give him a fine, move on. Don't isolate him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Leeds have criticised yeah. the decision to not right, even so. let him train. Uh, I quote: "To prevent a young footballer from taking part in any football activities at such a critical period mm-hmm. of his career is a disproportionate punishment following a foolish mistake from a young player." Yeah, it's, 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 right, it's nineteen, really, but it's like you know these. Some of these players that, you know, in tweets get brought back up from when they were 15, 16. Yeah. The, the whole Andre um, Andre Gray saga a couple of years back. Okay, it was, it was terrible what you're saying, but it was a lot younger back then, a lot more naive, makes mistakes, etc. The punishment wasn't as harsh. I know these violated specific rules, but six weeks without football for a 19-year-old. How does that work? So is it, uh, he's definitely not allowed to train yeah. at the Leeds training ground. Yeah. Is he allowed to... You know, just do keep your piece in the garden. There'll be a, an FA <laughs> watching him at all yeah, times. An FA <laughs> individual member just watching him with binoculars for offence. Brilliant. Uh, then, just finally, Hull City defender Angus McDonald has thanked the football family for their support after he was diagnosed with the early stages of bowel cancer. We mentioned it last week, and as always, we wish him well. Let's move on to the polls from today, Justin. So, at the start of the show, our first question was, which of these teams is the most likely to get in the playoffs this season? Brentford, Forest, Preston and Bristol City. Which one would you have gone for? All of them. There's four places, right? Well, if you had to pick one. (laughs) Um... If I give you a thousand pounds and you had to bet on which of these teams What between Forest, Preston, Bristol City and Brentford. My money would have always gone on Brentford. Even though I don't know why. Even though they haven't got the results so far. But that team Well right, Forest my, my Forest won thirty four percent. Bristol City only just behind on thirty three percent. Preston mm-hmm. came last on thirteen percent. Who should be sacked first, Paul Cook or Nathan Jones? Who would you have gone for? I'd have gone with Paul Cook, but then again, Nathan Jones has got one point in what, seven games. Nathan Jones got 78% of the votes Jesus. in that one. All we can vote. And then just finally, goal music, yes or no? No. No. Absolutely no. No one by 76%. Which is less than I was expecting. I thought that was going to be a bit of a rout, but there you go. Justin, it's time for the Craig Bryson pub quiz. Buzzing. Here we go. Buzzing. Last week you got... Leon Best. Leon Best. It was Leon Best. Yeah, got it on the last clue. Yeah, I 
let myself down. I shouldn't have gone for that clue, but there we go. It's your turn to ask me. There's, there's no way you'll get this. Oh, Absolutely no way you'll great. get this. Right. That's promising. Here we go. I need to build up my confidence. Here we go. I made 376 appearances in the championship, scoring 18, assisting 29. Assisting 29? Okay. Got to chuck the curveball in. Okay. They're fullback stats, but it might be a fullback, it might not. Bradley Orr. No. It's a good shot, though. Thank you. He took penalties, so. Did he? I can't even remember yeah. that. But it isn't him, so... Okay. I only played for two teams in the Championship. Okay. Could you say the first clue again, please? 376 appearances, scored 18, assisted 29. 376 appearances is a lot. Mm -hmm. Not many injuries. No. And the goal assist tally is quite high. Did you say he's a fullback? No, I said they're fullback stats, really, aren't they? But... He might be a fullback. He might not. I don't. I, wanna, I don't want to lead you down that direction because I think this is a holding mid, like maybe not holding midfielder, but a centre mid, because those stats would be very good for a fullback. So unless he's a really good attacking fullback, I'm going to go uh, Steve Sidwell. No. At my first club, I was known as the Yorkshire Express. Yorkshire. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the Yorkshire. What does that mean? I don't know. That. Uh, yeah, because there's no trains that say the that are called the Yorkshire Express. That but, doesn't really help me because my initial thought was it's somebody from Yorkshire, and I presume it is. But oh, yeah. whether he played f for a team in Yorkshire doesn't really help me at all. It doesn't really help me out of. Let's go with. I can't think of any footballers from Yorkshire. Alex Mowat. It's not Alex Mowat. No, it's not Alex Mowat. My first club was Rotherham before moving on in 2004 for £400,000. But I'm not going to tell you the team because you might get him. So he was at Rotherham? He was at Rotherham. Then moved in 2004. Mm -hmm. So back when it was the old first division. For how much? 400000 which would be quite a lot back then for a championship yeah, it wouldn't team. Be, wouldn't be cheap, would it? <clears throat> um, so we're going quite, back quite a few years. These are the golden years for championship football. <laughs> the Coca-Cola championship we're talking about. I can't think of anyone who used to play for rather than in the early noughties. We'll move on. Go on. We'll move on. I made six appearances in the playoffs, not winning promotion in any of them. Six? Six playoff appearances, but didn't win promotion in any of those playoff campaigns. How many clues have I got left? One clue after this. Really? Oh, mm -hmm. no. So, six playoff campaigns. Mm -hmm. He moved to this club in 2004 that he's most known for playing for. And he had six playoff campaigns in that time? No, six, six appearances. So, first leg, second leg. First oh, leg, come leg, first on! Leg, second leg. There's three campaigns, three playoff campaigns. Think about it. In the championship? Yeah. Moved moved to his team in 2004. Playoff campaign, playoff campaign. For some reason, I'm, trying to, I'm having to think of a club because, and the one who keeps standing out to me is Forest. No. It's not Forest. It's not Forest. Okay. 
Well, thanks for helping me out. You didn't have to actually tell me that. I could Because this is embarrassing. Well, you said I wouldn't get it. No. I mean, I, I think I, I'd have got this. <sighs> I can give you your final clue. Paul McKenna. It's a good guess, but it's not Paul McKenna. I don't even know if he's from Yorkshire. I played for Preston, and none of those six appearances were in the playoff final. What? Hang on. So, is Preston the team he's most well known for? Yes. That made that makes Paul McKenna a really good guess. Yeah, it, it? Was, <laughs> it was. It, it was a good guess. And to give you another clue, because I think that clue was a bit crap. It might have been slightly incorrect. He played alongside Paul uh, Paul McKenna. He got moved into central midfield. So Paul Gallagher's standing out, but I'm not sure yeah, if it's because this is before Paul Gallagher's time. It's that yeah, that's Preston, what I mean. It's that gold. It's those golden years for Preston when they're competing to get in the Premier League <sighs> oh, with Billy him. Davis, the Yorkshire Express. There are going to be Preston fans shouting at me here. Absolutely. So, were, were the two teams he played for in the Championship, Rotherham and Preston? Yes. I'm going to give you. 10 but he didn't make any playoff appearances with Preston. No, he did. You just said he didn't. Not in the final. Oh, not in the final. But I think that was might be a bit misleading. I might be wrong. That's why I gave you the one. At the end. Thanks. Oh, I can't remember who was in that Preston team. You had Nugent. Mm-hmm. You had Stearman. Stearman in that? No. <sighs> Five seconds. Was you're gonna have to give up? This is taking you forever. It's embarrassing. I give up. It's Chris Sedgwick. Flipping heck, I would have never got that. It's Chris Sedgwick. I would have never got that in a million years. <laughs> the golden years of championship football. Chris Sedgwick's career path does not stand out to me whatsoever. Yeah, Rotherham, Preston, Sheffield Wednesday, Scunthorpe, Hyde United. The only reason why I know that is because I obviously looked at it before the podcast. 376 championship appearances, then. Fair play to the It was a Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. I think that was a bit of a hard one, but... There we go. There we go. These things happen, don't they? So are you winning now? I I am. Great. I am. Quite quite disheartened after that. Anyway. You should be. Anyway, Justin, for the next couple of weeks, we won't be doing an episode. Why is that right? Because I'm going to America. I'm sorry. I booked this holiday before we started doing this podcast. That's fine, but you book your holidays when it's pre-season, not during the season, or an international break. This is all your fault. But I booked, I booked this so long ago that the fixtures weren't even out. So Doesn't matter. I apologise to all our listeners, but we will be back with a bang in a couple of weeks' time. We'll let you know on Twitter. Keep an eye out. and You should know when you're coming back. <laughs> I know when I'm coming back, but we might do something in midweek. If I send you a WhatsApp... Yeah, and say, are you moving there? And you jokingly say yes. I'm not moving to America. Then technically the, the government will not allow you in the country. I'm not moving and to America. And we can do podcasts. I appreciate gun laws too much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.